Masonic Light Podcast. This is Past Master Moyer calling with my critique review of episode 112 entitled CPO Corey McClare. This was a very, very good episode. Really enjoyed listening to Corey. Appreciate his service on the, uh, I wrote it down here, the U.S. Comfort in the New York Harbor during the initial uh, COVID, I don't want to say COVID scare, but when it was really, initially we didn't really know how to handle this and uh, everybody was panicking. So appreciate his service and I hope you enjoy your, your next duty station in Italy. That would really be a tough, a tough one to, to endure. Maris, you were the, uh, the interviewer for, for Corey. I can understand that since you served in, in the United States Navy. You did a great job, Larry. I really hate to say that. But the one thing I noticed, you're using the word amazing again in every sentence, so knock it off. Oh, and I, I forgot to mention, I, in, the, in the initial, or in the beginning of the episode, when everybody spoke about what they were doing, uh, Corey mentioned he enjoys the, the witty banter of the podcast. I thought that was um, quite a statement. I have to remember that. The podcast is known for witty, witty banter. Dutchy Doug from Broken Plow Lodge number 377. I enjoyed your uh, story of the January stated meeting in 1954 for your annual pork and kimchi, excuse me, pork and sauerkraut dinner. That was that was a hilarious story. Brother Cronkite enjoyed your uh, news on the redundant lodge number 111. Really, really love that name. And finally, Tim, I congratulate your lodge on being able to conduct eight stated meetings in 2020. That's that's quite an accomplishment considering all the roadblocks thrown before us last year. Anyway, looking forward to episode 113. I'll be in touch. Bye. From the new recording lair located deep beneath the Wine and Spirit Store in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. Studio 665 presents Masonic Light Podcast. This show is recorded by Masons, for Masons, and is for entertainment purposes only. And please, no wagering. This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own. And now, here's your host. Hey, and welcome, everybody. We're episode 114. <gasps> 114. 114. Oh, my. Of Masonic Light Podcast. And uh, Tim, <laughs> who, who brings our uh, <coughs> podcast to everybody? So our show is brought to us uh, by our patrons on Patreon, patreon.com slash Masonic Light Podcast. Uh, and for as little as $1 a month, $1, just a dollar, uh, you can keep the great content that we uh, bring to you on Masonic Light Podcast coming. Um, we also have different levels. We have, a, I think we call them by degrees. So we have the entered apprentice, the full of craft and the master masons level. Um, I think Very clever of us. That, right. 
We uh, need to come up with like a super Ill- Illuminati. As Illuminati, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that well, would be like twenty-two dollars and fifteen cents. Yeah. If we can figure out how to log on to the new version of Zencaster, um, one of the ideas we had was because the, the new Zencaster, we can record video. And uh, what we're thinking about doing is if we happen to score a good guest, just one or two of us will log on and talk to that guest with video. And then we can share that video with um with our patrons. So right. to give you a little something, something that, you know, for your money back. Great. That's the idea. But that means we have to like get dressed to do this, right? Damn it. Darn it. Well, I, I put on a clean shirt, so I should be good for three or four days. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, we really appreciate our uh, patrons uh, for supporting this. And we, we appreciate you listening. All right. So what's everybody been up to? I'll start. I'll look on my screen. So, Tim, you're on top left. What have you been up to Masonically? Well, uh, we have been uh, doing a lot of rehearsals at Eureka West Shore Lodge uh, in preparation for degree work. Um, Things are getting back in the swing. Um, And as a lodge secretary, I've been like uh, homebound doing audit stuff, not only for my own uh, lodge, but uh, in my new role as a um, RIT, uh, helping secretaries across the the area, uh, audits are like driving people nuts this year. So, and you wouldn't think it would be because like nobody did anything last year, but um, the normal processes I think got interrupted and um, we've, 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 uh, a lot of folks have got them in. Uh, If you're in Pennsylvania, um, your district deputy, I'm sure is harassing you for them. And so, uh, that's really the big, the big stuff I've been involved with, uh, since our last episode. And, uh, I guess I'm next on my screen. Uh, I've been up to nothing. Um, today I just wrote out a bunch of checks to, uh, travel to a bunch of different Masonic things. So that's it. Jack. Uh, I've been, I've done very little. We are setting up this Beersheba Grotto in Honeybrook and there's been some check writing and things to that. I'm the treasurer of that group as it's getting together. But other than that, Josh, what's going on with you in Lamberton? Uh, not too much. Uh, we're still, still virtual at this point. Um, but we're, I'm 99% sure our audit is complete and going in so as far as that goes we're done with that good and other than that we're just playing virtual so you've got a new lodge room though right oh yeah at the masonic center they uh i think i i mentioned some of this last time they put the uh uh the carpet and stuff in and they did the checkered floor and replaced the carpet all through the the museum and all that looks real nice i saw a picture look of that nice. looks it looks nice yeah it's great have the yeah. signs gone up to say don't walk on the carpet yeah take your <laughs> shoes off before walking on the carpet uh larry have you done anything uh other than keep in touch with some of my brothers about five or six of them on a weekly basis other than that no but i will say and i'll make an announcement we published uh, today or yeah, not yesterday in the uh 
the Coast and Gridiron officially will start meeting again, unofficially slash officially uh, tomorrow, Thursday, which I will not be there. I'll be at a doctor's appointment. But from now on, Goose and Gridiron will be meeting at this square mile. So we're going bum, back. Bum. And we will practice safe distancing, wearing masks and all that stuff. So, And I think most of the old timers there, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of them already got their shots. So. Good. All righty. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll hear from our 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 special interview that's coming up where we're being interviewed. Why choose George J. Grove and Sons for your next home improvement project? At George J. Grove and Sons, we've built our reputation on quality and trust for more than 50 years. For planning to materials to installation, George J. Grove promises a home improvement experience second to none. Whether your goal is reducing energy costs, decreasing maintenance, updating curb appeal, or simply increasing the value of your home, the George J. Grove team will recommend and provide solutions that stand the test of time. Call 717-393-0859 for an estimate or visit us at georgejgrove.com. And we're back. Tonight's episode is a special episode, although it's uh, uh, the overall content may be something that you've heard uh, before um, here on the Masonic Light Podcast. But we were invited by the brethren from the 59th Masonic District in Pennsylvania. And uh, Brother Jeff Borowski is the District Deputy Grand Master there. Uh, he asked us to come and lead uh, a, uh, an episode uh, as part of their speaker series. They're doing virtual speaker series during this time of COVID. And so we got to be the guests at their gathering on Zoom. And we were also fortunate to be joined by the Right Worshipful Senior Grand Warden of the uh, Free and Accepted Masons of Pennsylvania and Masonic Jurisdictions there in Two Belonging. Um, so, uh, it's a, it, it's a great conversation. And his, his name was, oh, I'm sorry, Robert, Rob Brink, R- Rob. Yes. Rob Brink, Rob, Rob Brink. Rob. I got the title, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of tells you where the episode's going to go, right? Uh. All right. So, uh, let's go to our interview on zoom. It's good to see you guys all tonight again, and hopefully in the near future, somewhere in person as we open up, especially in our districts. I uh, want to make a quick introduction. We have Rob Brink, the right worker for Junior Grand Warden, on with us tonight. Hello, everybody. Good evening. Brother Rob, it's always a pleasure to have you here. It's, it's my pleasure to be here. Tonight. Thank you. So let's just jump right into things. Um, I'm pleased to introduce our guest speakers tonight. There are a few of the brothers. If I think I can, you guys, all of you guys are here from the um, Masonic Light podcast. 
Um, we have Tim Dedman, Jack Harley, and Pete Ruggieri, Larry Maris, and Josh Leiter. I'm sorry if I butchered your name. These guys started this podcast back in 2016 after um, a meeting at the Masonic at um, Elizabethtown. I'm sorry. So they thought it would be a good idea to get a podcast going, and they did. They're still going five years later. They're going strong. They're doing well with this. I do enjoy listening to them. They're entertaining. I do learn some, something from their podcasts every time I listen to them. So without further ado, whichever one of you guys wants to take it away, um, by all means, I'll stop talking. And I guess, uh, I guess I'll start. This is Pete. Um, yeah, as, as you said, I mean, thank you for having us. As, as you said, Larry and I were at the uh, Academy of Masonic Knowledge, and this is when they had the guys from the Masonic Roundtable you know, kind of, they were the first ones to bring Freemasonry into the 20th century. Um, they had, they were all set up on the stage and they were live streaming and all kinds of cool stuff, but we're watching them do this. And Larry and I just said, Hey, you know, we could do this. Maybe not as well, but we could do it. So uh, we just sat down and started recording shows and, Somehow people started paying attention to us and I, I'm not sure why, but, um, you know, we're 113 episodes later, we've had, um, you know, grandmaster of Pennsylvania, the sovereign grand commander of the uh, Scottish rate, Northern Masonic jurisdiction, other grand line officers and authors from around the world. And, uh, it's been quite fun. Uh, Larry, are you, uh, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I concur with everything Pete said. Larry just kind of nods a lot at, when we're recording. He, he nods. And, <laughs> and as we as we started getting more and more following, um, Jack was a guest. And then Jack never left. Uh, Jack, Jack just kept showing up. But Jack actually reads books. So Jack was a, uh, a nice addition. Because he could have intelligent discussions on the esoteric side, whereas I'm more of the discussions on the, uh, you know, the friendly fun side. Um, and we all kind of feed off of each other. And then uh, we brought Tim on. Um, not sure why we brought Tim on. I'm not even. <laughs> um, allegedly to be our marketing he, uh, director, but he's never done marketing. <laughs> he, 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 uh, he kept showing up like Jack. That's what happens. <laughs> So uh, I'll let you guys talk a little. So how many of you guys have seen the show or listened to the show? Not seen, but listened to the show. Anybody? Anybody one. know what, what one or one? And then uh, I think, Jeff, you said you did. So two. All right. Um, so three. All right. Bob, Bob has. Um, so a lot of people don't even know what a podcast is or how to get it. We are one of what, what are there? 35 or 40 Masonic podcasts out there right now. Yeah, there's more every day. Yeah, we're we're like you know we're the third best, but you know that's just us. But uh, so our show is a little bit different in that uh, it's not really about us; it's about the guests that we have on. Um, and yesterday, Larry sent us a message like, "Who's our guest for tomorrow?" And we had to tell him that we were the guests for tomorrow. So we're your guests, and we appreciate your having us here. Um, any, any questions that you guys have about what it is that we do or why we do it? Anything? Bueller? Bueller? So why do, the, why do you do it? 
Pete, why do we do this? You know, <laughs> I do a lot of traveling with some of the social bodies that I belong to. And, you know, not just when, when you get outside of your lodge. I mean, obviously, when you're in your lodge, you kind of bitch and gripe about things that you wish were different. But then once we started getting, you know, once I became past, you know, a master of the lodge and I'm going to school of instruction, I'm meeting masters from other lodges. And then, you know, the appendant bodies, I'm meeting people from all over the country. I'm realizing the same dysfunctional things that we encounter are being encountered all over the globe. Yeah, it's a human um, condition. You know, and it's with trying to update records and trying to get people to send us email addresses and phone numbers. And while a lot of the discussions about Freemasonry, you know, you can listen to Manly P. Hall, these old, old timers, Pike. And get all kinds of esoteric knowledge. But I think we kind of make it, you know, when the new Mason joins and isn't sure what's going on, it kind of puts them at ease when they realize that this isn't a smooth running machine. All of Freemasonry is kind of, I don't know, it's a little clunky. But I think clunky's. Ad hoc. Ad hoc is the right word. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but it's good for a reason. And 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 you know some of the things that we dislike about it by being slow to change are also some of its strengths. Because we if we were to adjust to every single fad, then we would be a not be knocked out as well. But uh, it, you know, we're not doing it for the money because we don't make any money. It costs us money. Um, we don't do it for the women because there's no women listening. Three percent, three percent, three percent of our listeners are women. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a, total, but that's a total of two by headcount. But yeah, about once a month, about once a month, we get some newer brother that will tell us that our show is the reason why they have continued. Um, it's because he, hearing us made them feel. You know, we're, we're blessed here in, in South Central Pennsylvania. We're so close to so many activities. And the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania is so good. Scottish Rite Northern New York jurisdiction is good. But if you're a Mason, let's say, out in Indiana, Oklahoma, and you're 75 miles, 100 miles from the next lodge, you're like wondering what Freemasonry is all about. You got your three degrees and... You just don't feel like you're part of anything. So we've kind of made people all over the world feel like they're part of something and enjoy Freemasonry again. One of the things that um, I would add to that is, and I've described this uh, show as, you know, imagine four or five of your friends sitting around a table and talking about some topic. And that's really what, if you think about the format of the show, that's really what it is. We'll have a guest or we'll have a topic and then you've got five friends that are sitting around the table and we really are friends. I mean, we come from very different backgrounds. Um, we really didn't know each other necessarily well before we got involved in, in doing the podcast, but over time we've become very good friends. And, um, you know, sometimes we disagree, sometimes we agree, but it's a good, healthy discussion that we have. And Pete mentioned the, uh, Masonic education that a lot that we've heard from a lot of folks. Um, there is a newly raised master Mason in my home lodge. He got his, uh, 
he got his entered apprentice degree last March, the week before the big shutdown. Uh, there were actually three of them. And um, so they went basically the entire year um, with not much of anything. I mean, we did some stuff as a local lodge and so on, but uh, they weren't able to progress in their degrees. And, and the one uh, gentleman that just got his uh, Master Mason's degree this past month said, your podcast has been the best Masonic education I've had in the last year. Uh, he said, I, when I go out and walk, he goes, I'm downloading one of the earlier episodes and listening to it. And he, he's gone through probably half of them at this point. But um, yeah, just a lot of interesting people. And I think that's the key is it's the people that we meet and their take on sometimes it's Freemasonry and sometimes it's just an interesting person and we try to bring Masonic connections to it. So, so guys, I didn't ask that question frivolously. In other words, the reason you guys do this is important to Freemasonry, in my opinion. It's, it's to some extent the fellowship. Just so why do guys get together and do this? They do it because there's a there's some value in it. There's something they're getting out of it. And so, you know, you guys are helping to bring that to the to the membership and to everybody, really, anybody who wants to sign on for your podcast. And I think that's valuable to the fraternity. And the whole fraternity, we've had a couple of episodes about how the, you know, the, the corners that the fraternity is turning right now and how important technology has been you know, and it's blown up over COVID for sure. But um, just just being able to access, there is more Masonic education on the internet right now um, in a day than in the first five years of my joining the fraternity. I mean, I, I was starved for any kind of Masonic education. Um, yes, Larry. I think he has to go to the bathroom. No. Oh. <laughs> what I wanted to say, and I'm going to pick up where Pete left off, because what Tim said is very important. What Jack is saying is very important. But when we put this show together almost five years ago, one of the things that we wanted to do after listening to other podcasts was make sure that our show was number one conversational. It wasn't directed. It wasn't reading out of books. It wasn't, I know more than you do. It had to be conversational. There had to be some humor in there. We're not a dry show, and anybody who's listened to our show knows we have a lot of fun. And we have a lot of different spots that we put in there to make it entertaining, as well as giving out knowledge of our craft. And that's what we wanted to go for. That was our number one goal, and I think we have vastly succeeded there in doing that. So I wanted to continue what Pete said. So. Go ahead, Jack. Back to you. Well, one of one of one of the things that we we've talked about on the show, and we kind of, um, I think, we came up with that if people are joining, there's one of four or five reasons why somebody joins a Masonic lodge. Um, somebody, you know, maybe it's because it's family, but maybe because they're into the history of it. Maybe they want to learn more about the esoteric mysteries. A lot of people, it's just a social, fraternal group and they want to meet friends and you know blue lodge has a tough job because blue lodge has to try to keep all those people satisfied and you know i know my blue lodge they sorry josh because i you're the current master of my blue lodge but um you know especially in covid but it, it's hard for the lodges to keep 
it's social because we're not a, we're not a social club. We're not the Elks. We don't have a bar. We don't have a place to go meet. So we really only see each other once or twice a month. And during that, we're doing work. So, you know, I think Blue Lodge is missing some of that. Whereas then you get up into something like, you know, in Grotto, we're way big on the social side, but we kind of leave everything else off to the, in the gutter. Um, so a couple I, of the members, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I just think um, this makes people feel connected who normally wouldn't feel connected because you could, you could, I mean, I joke around about, uh, we, I love picking on the Valley of Harrisburg. I felt like I was a member of the Valley of Harrisburg for 15, 20 years before anybody said hi to me. Uh, you know, and I joined the Valley of Reading and my goodness, it's like everybody was like super friendly to me. And like, magically, I got into one of the lines really quickly. And there's people like that, that maybe in their home lodge, they just don't find a connection with other brothers. Um, it's not because they don't like Freemasonry. It's not because that lodge is mean to them, but they just haven't found what they were looking for. And I think we make an opportunity for people all over the world who may have a similar interest to keep them interested in Freemasonry and keep them coming back. So guys, if I could backtrack a little bit, Pete made a really good point. Blue what? Lodge can be um, dry. Let's just say dry. Maybe that's a good word for it, but it doesn't have to be that way. Um, one thing I've done for the 20 some years, I've been a member at my lodge in a little town in Coopersburg, Pennsylvania. Um, I've tried to get the guys to enjoy being at the lodge meeting. The lodge meeting should not be a funeral. It should be, you know, a time when the guys get together and they enjoy each other's company and you, okay, you take care of some business. There's a little bit of dry stuff you have to do, but the lodge meeting should not feel like a funeral. It should feel like a, a you know, the kind of thing you want to actually put on, put a jacket and tie on and go visit. Okay. So I think that's a really important thing that we, the guys on this call, need to try to push uh, throughout the fraternity. There's no reason why a Blue Lodge has to seem like a, like a funeral. It doesn't have to be that way. That is very true. I think uh, our uh, worshipful master, Josh, who's down the lower right-hand corner in my street, can testify that when we go to Blue Lodge, we do have fun. And we learn and we conduct business. But I just like to have fun. Am I right, sir? Oh yeah, it's a, we have fun in our lodge. Exactly. We have we have a concept of due decorum, and okay, let's let's face it, we have to follow due decorum. There's a certain amount of respect yeah. we have to give, but there's no reason it has it, it does not have to be a solemn event. Do you think Ben Franklin was solemn in his lodge meetings? I doubt it. <laughs> I don't think he was. We're sober. He yeah. Probably had a good old time and he had a beer in his hand. That's right. <laughs> At the historic Smithton Inn of Ephrata, Pennsylvania, we're pleased to serve the latest creations from Weathered Vineyard Winery, along with spirits from Thistle Finch Distillery in Lancaster, all to be experienced in the tasting room of a beautifully restored 18th century bed and breakfast. Cigars by DNS Cigar are available for your enjoyment in the courtyard. The historic Smithton Inn is convenient to Lancaster County's most interesting attractions. 
just minutes from the Ephrata Cloister and the Green Dragon Farmer's Market. And a short drive can get you to charming Lidditz, thriving downtown Lancaster, as well as Hershey, Bird in Hand, and Intercourse, or Valley Forge and Gettysburg. Whether you're looking for a romantic getaway or an active vacation full of sightseeing and attractions, the historic Smithton Inn will be a welcoming oasis from everyday life, one that you'll want to visit again and again. Stop in and visit at 900 West Main Street in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, or check out our website at historicsmithtoninn.com, or simply call us at 717-733-6094. Just ask for Passmaster Dave. This electronic thing is not going to go away. I mean, nobody, you know, nobody's real super fan of Zoom, but there, there's just so much. I, you, could, you could spend two or three hours a night on some different presentation that's happening, some Masonic education thing that's going on here. And, you know, the guys, the guys in the podcast all know I'm kind of the Masonic, Masonic education nerd. Um, but I, I can't keep up with it all. I, I've given up trying to, trying to tune in and watch all these things. It's, it's just overwhelming. And that's great. Uh, it's, and like, like Pete said, everybody joins for a different reason. Everybody, even after they're in, is looking for something different, some different aspect of, of this thing. And, and, and we do, we have to give them value. Um, Bob, you were, you know, you, you have to make it worth their coming out. And, um, and it, it's, it's tough for a, a master who by the fourth or fifth meeting is just starting to get his feet under him. Uh, and then we break for two months and then we come back and have an election and then an installation and he's done. Yeah. And, that's a vote for having masters for more than one year. Yeah. The downside to that is you you uh, deprive yourself of more past masters. That's a really oh, tough problem. that could be a problem. <laughs> That's a really tough problem. Ideally, you want you want a lot of past masters to support the current master, right? That's if you true. Do your masters, you you lose the you know you have half as many past masters, yeah. and that's that's a problem too. Right. Yeah, I'll counter that with uh, something like a lot of lodges your average member feels left out almost as if you're, if you're not a past master, you don't count. Or in the line. If you're in the line, you're in the group. Right. But if you're just a regular member and you're not a past master and you're not in the line, it's almost like you're a member minus. And I, I think what we need to do is really try to make every member feel welcome and like they're part of the team. And if they're just the guy that pays their dues they're st- and never shows up, they're still important. In fact, they're the ones that keep all of us going. Well, I, think, I think that there is a, I've not been a past master of my launch. Or the South Carolina, where I came from, I was an officer in South Carolina, but I never did that up here in Pennsylvania. But I think that there are avenues of an of a member that can be extremely active in the lodge, even if he's not in the line or even if he's not a past master. And I think I'm one of those people. I serve on committees. I've chaired committees. I've done a lot for the lodge and I look forward to doing it. And there are people in the lodge who don't necessarily want to go through the line who can and usually are and can be active. They show up at meetings. They show up at extracurricular events. Um, they serve on committees. 
And there are ways to serve a lodge other than being in the line. And I'm a living example of that. I agree with you, Larry. In my lodge, we have a we have a brother who never intends to be a master. He's a young guy. He's in his 30s. And he uh, he sits as the senior master of ceremonies. And he likes that position. And he's also the president of our temple association. And so he contributes seriously to our lodge. Like he's very valuable to the lodge. He He's helping with our 150th anniversary celebration. And he's doing all kinds of things. He's just not in the line. And that's totally okay. Everybody, everybody appreciates what he's doing. And um, he doesn't have to be a, a, a line officer to, to achieve what he's trying to achieve. Yeah. But he has to participate in some, in something and he has and to he know how to participate in something. And a lot of guys, uh, when they, when, when they first join, they, they don't really know what they can do. Uh, what am I entitled to participate in? And, and unless somebody puts his hand on his shoulder and says, Hey, I think you'd be great on the social committee, you know, and, and, and here we're going to meet on Tuesday, come join us and, and, and actively engage them. And it's that active engagement. We tell them that they should get engaged, but I don't think we really instruct them on how to do it well enough. Yeah. We have to grab them by the hand and take them and show them. Okay. Exactly. Here's, here's what I think you could be really good at. And I, I agree with you. That makes sense. And you know what, in my lodge, we've taken the, uh, the grumpy past master to an extremely comedic level. Like we, we enjoy the whole, you know, that's not the way I used to do it thing. And uh, it's, it's, I think it's been very productive for our lodge for everybody to make a joke out of the fact that, you know, back when I was master, that's not the way I did it. it it's, 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 it's huge and, it, and the guys love it. And it's, it's just a really good comedy for the lodge. Indeed. Ryan or Chuck, you all had something to add? Well, I was going to say that, what do you feel about the generational gap? As I sit here with Ryan, who's my son-in-law and an incoming craft mason that's going to get his degree in March, how do you find where Fred's sitting in as a 50-year member? I'm a past master with seven or eight years under my belt. And I've got Ryan, who's been in the wind waiting by for a full year, waiting to get his master mason's degree and possibly coming along, kicking and screaming and coming to some chicken barbecues because he's now family. Mm -hmm. But my son, who's just a couple years older than him, we almost never see. You guys made the comment about the technology. This is coming from a generation who puts their head down and if it's not on their cell phone in front of them, this Zoom is their technology and it's what they do. So now you're talking about putting them in a room, stuffy, a, a, a Fred scenario 50 years ago, you would have never gotten 20 year old and 30 year old as interested in today's society as they may have been in the baby boomer era. So how's that generational gap gonna play forward if we don't stick with the technology? Well, we have to embrace those young guys. In my lodge, we have a master who's 35 years old. We have a junior warden who's in his 20s. And we have a, we have a lot of young guys that are really actually taking control and running this lodge. Now, what they have is a bunch of crusty old, you know, grumpy past masters who 
are are solid guys who really give a you know they care and they they give these guys honest guidance they don't get in their way they they just say hey guy you know back when i did it here's what i did you decide what you want to do because you're the master you you know you make these decisions now for yourself so we give them guidance but we don't we don't like force it down their throat and we don't shun them for you know that's not the way i used to do it kind of stuff we 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 encourage them you know that's that's the important thing i think and i think that's something we have to get through in a whole bunch of lodges is to encourage the younger guys and 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 let them do the thing the way they want to do it brian what's your expectation joining this crazy thing what what do you think it's what do you think it is and and what do you think you're gonna um, draw from it and give to it yeah uh you know really i didn't know much about about the whole freemasons until chuck uh but I kind of like, like the idea of being in like a brotherhood and being a part of something that was greater, greater than just, you know, a few years old, obviously. Uh, you know, I'm really looking to get out of it. Obviously, friendship. I, I really enjoyed the, the like lodge school nights where you, where you BS with the guys prior to the actual rituals and all that. Uh, you know, I like learning about the history. I just think it's fun doing something that's doing all, all, all the rituals that are really historic and then having that time before and after to kind of BS with everybody and kind of get closer to new people and make connections. I mean, I'm just more into that overall. Excellent. The social aspect. Yeah. There yeah. is a so, social aspect to this fraternity. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was kind of brainstorming ideas. If you guys were trying to figure out how to appeal to some younger people, uh, I definitely think before or after certain events or nights, you could even have like, you know, like each lodge has like, you know, a little dart tournament or something that's like in-house and you keep stats online somewhere. And every month you say the top five people are these people and make it more of a competitive, uh, well, I might say afterwards because there's some kind of tournament or, or some kind of uh, weekly thing to do than just, you know, showing up. So cornhole competition. I was thinking that yeah. first. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I actually saw, I actually saw a virtual cornhole tournament on the internet uh no this is not a, this is not a virtual <laughs> aspect bite me and i'll i'll come and play cornhole with you <laughs> but i think what, what just what? transpired is what needs to happen and what what you ryan need to do which is once you're in and you're coming to meetings and so on look for like-minded folks and just you take that lead and say let's go do this and um you know our, our current master, uh, um, he's serving a second year um, just because of the COVID, because of COVID. But uh, prior to his uh, beginning his first go around, um, he had a cookout over at his house and he asked me to provide him with a list of every member of the lodge who was 50 or younger. And they had a cookout. And basically he did what just happened, which was, what is it you want this lodge to be for you? And so don't be afraid to do things like that. Um, we have held a, we started out in March when things shut down, having a nightly Zoom call for just a few minutes each night, just to check in. And we called it uh, our nightly toast to absent brethren, which is actually a Masonic tradition um, that that title is significant. And so uh, every night, 
Uh, we would open the Zoom room at 8.45. At 9 o'clock, the master would lead in a toast to absent brethren. Uh, anybody else that wanted to offer a toast would do that. We'd be on the call for, in some cases, 15 minutes, in some cases, a half hour. But what we found was that there was a great camaraderie that developed. And people who, a lot of folks would get on that that hadn't been to meetings in forever. Uh, we had our we had, we had officers and so on, obviously, that were supporting the activity. But we did that for like 92 straight nights up until June. Um, and now we're doing it once a month. The guys liked it so much, we've kind of turned it over to them. And they're still doing it once a month, just getting together to have a toast to absent brethren, even though we're back to meeting, meeting now. So it's those kinds of things and those kinds of conversations that I think we need to encourage our folks to have. I agree. What I, I'm sorry, what I see today, at least around here, is they're coming into the lodge and they're getting into degrees and they're being around a while, then they're going to the shrine because that's where they want to go. And that's <laughs> the problem I see right now. The, the lodge meeting should not feel like a funeral. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, it should, like, it should feel like a place where you want to be. You want to hang out with the guys. You want to, okay, granted, you take care of some business, whatever, but you want to hang out with the guys. It should not feel like a funeral. Yeah, another piece of this is, and Jack, you can speak more fully to this, is that in, in a lot of lodges sit empty for most of the month. And um, I, maybe I hope I'm not stepping out of line, but encouraging you to use your building. Uh, as a gathering place other than just for a lodge meeting. Uh, Jack's lodge uh, at Ephrata Lodge, number 665, um, if I lived closer, I would go to that lodge. Uh, Jack, we would have about, you, Tim. tell them about your building other than housing our studio. Well, right now they're just storing our equipment. But, exactly. Uh, <laughs> usually, in the old days, we used to go there, and we actually um, – we were uh, remodeling uh, the basement and um, the, the studio the, the, that we were recording in the podcast uh, was Pete's basement. And it was very much Pete's basement and it was a great space and, and we had a lot of fun, but um, we eventually kind of outgrew it. And uh, we asked Effort Lodge if we could just carve off a little piece of the basement and put up a recording studio. So right now we have a recording studio in the basement of the lodge. Um, that's one of the things that we do. The other couple of the other things we do is encourage uh, appendant bodies um, to use the facility. Um, we have an AMD council that meets there. Um, there's a, some, some other stuff that happens on a, on a fairly regular basis, but you know, it's, it, it, it's supposed to be that beehive of activity, right? Um, Bob, if you've, if you've got any say, so would love to repeal prohibition someday. That'd be a lovely thing. I think I think that would help a lot, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime <laughs> so, so soon. So first of all, for the record, and I know I'm going to have a hard time getting past this. My father was Bob. I'm Rob. Oh, you're Rob. Okay, sorry. <laughs> and it's it's all just a family thing because in the house it was easier to you know dad was Bob and I was Rob. Sure. Uh, so I'm Rob, and um, I feel pretty strongly about the whole repealing prohibition thing. Okay, so. Let's see how that goes. Let's over, just leave that right there. Let's over just, the next few years. Yeah, let's put that on the table for now. There that's we fine. go. All right. But it's um, you know that's a part of it. I mean it 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 shouldn't be a, a focus. But there's a, there's lots of stuff that you can do inside your lodge. But what I wanted to tell Ryan 
was one of the things that you're going to be told in the third degree, and I'm not giving anything away, but you're going to be told this is now your lodge and you are every bit as much a member of that lodge as anybody who's been there for 50 years. That's right. So if you have ideas that you think are for the benefit of Freemasonry or your lodge or you execute them, be the change, do the thing that you think needs to be done. And that's how the fraternity gets better. But don't Brother be afraid. Jeff, to- I'll do this one for you. Um, Ryan, thank you for volunteering for that uh, committee. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. I'm not sure which one yet, but yeah. <laughs> As far back as the mid-1800s, records exist describing the pre-meaning tradition of brethren smoking cigars during and after gatherings. To this day, the practice of smoking cigars remains very much alive in many lodges. This custom is considered a time for brethren to relax, exchange ideas, and enjoy the simplicity and fellowship that is the very essence of our brotherhood. This is what Hireman Solomon Cigars is all about. Our starting principles are to bring Masonic brethren together in the harmony of a good cigar. Pull up a chair, sit back, light up any of our premium cigars, and enjoy the history. Hireman Solomon Cigars can be found at fine cigar retailers. For a complete list, visit HiremanSolomonCigars.com or check them out on social media to find out when they'll be at a live event near you. Hireman Solomon Cigars is pleased to be the official cigar of the Masonic Light Podcast. Hey, and we're back, everybody. Uh, So I'm imagining that Josh probably did some creative editing with that because it was a good interview. It was fun. But like all Masonic conversations, after about 20, 30 minutes, it starts to generate degenerate into that same Masonic <laughs> conversation held around the world. And that you we may have heard this before and that we've actually had too many times here where we're bitching about what's wrong and how to fix it. So we're going to spare you that and hopefully clip most of that out. I will say though, a, a different, a different spin on it is that the conversation is changing a little bit from what isn't happening to what, is happening. So it was what's not happening and then what needs to happen. And now we're talking about what is happening. So that's a good thing, I think. And also what the future might hold. I mean, if you listen closely to the episode, uh, the future is bright. We've got uh, some young folks. That's all we'll say. And that's all we're going to say. That's all we'll say. The future is bright. Got to wear shades. Yes. (laughs) Alrighty, so uh, let's take another quick break and we'll come back with the news and what we were going to be up to and uh, any segments we have. I don't know. Whatever. We'll be back. Hello, brethren. Dutchy Duck is back with an update from My Lodge, the Broken Plot, number 377. We are now in the month of February, and for us Pennsylvania Dutch, that means two things, Fosnox and Groundhog Day. Due to COVID, the broken plow was virtual again this month. Not too much to report, so I thought I would share a story that happened last February, back in the days before we all had to wear masks and before we constantly smelled like hand sanitizer. 
Now, earlier I mentioned Groundhog Day. Yep, that one day of the year when even non-Pennsylvania Dutch people tune in to see one of our oldest traditions, getting a weather forecast from a large rodent's shadow. Now, if you happen to be one of the few people in the United States who doesn't know what Groundhog Day is, allow me to tell you all about it. The tradition of gaining weather predictions from animals actually dates as far back as pre-Christian Europe. In the Rhine River Valley of modern-day Germany, the 2nd of February, or Candlemas Day, was always the day that an animal was used to predict the length of the winter. Traditionally, the animal that they used was the badger, since badgers tended to come out of their dens around that time of the year. But as Pennsylvania Dutch immigrants came to America, we brought this tradition with us. Since there were no badgers in Pennsylvania, we adopted a new animal as our prognosticator, the groundhog. As tradition states, when the groundhog emerges from his den on the 2nd of February, he will be able to forecast the weather. If he sees his shadow, he will get scared and run back into his den, signaling six more weeks of winter. If he doesn't see his shadow, he'll remain out of his den, signaling an early spring. Everyone is familiar with Punxsutawney Phil, the world's most famous groundhog. Yes, he is famous, but he isn't the only game in town. All over southeastern Pennsylvania, there are other groundhogs that forecast the weather too. There is Oscar in Kutztown, Uni in Myerstown, Jakey in Jonestown, and most importantly, there is Nystekosville Nick. That is our beloved local groundhog. Every February 2nd, our valley turns out to hear old Nick's forecast. It's normally a big to-do. Many members of our lodge are in the local groundhog club, which means that they are the keepers of Nick and his secrets. Normally on Groundhog Day, we all turn out in the inner circle dressed in top hats and tails. We'll bring old Nick out and announce the forecast. Last year was like any other year, except for the big mistake. Earlier that morning, the inner circle had assembled and was all excited to celebrate the big day. Every year, a member of the inner circle gives Nick a small blue pill that'll calm him down. This ensures that the brother who's holding him will have no issues. As the brethren prepared to parade Nick out, old brother Philby Faraplin made a small mistake. As he was giving Nick his blue calming pill, he accidentally slipped Nick a different small blue pill. That would end up being a costly mistake. Nick swallowed the pill and the brethren started out to the stage. The crowd was amped up and started cheering. As the moment of truth arrived, brother Harry Haver held Nick up and just about that time, the blue pill kicked in. By now, I'm sure that you all know what kind of a pill I'm talking about. Yep, brother Philby accidentally gave Nick a Viagra. What we later found out was that the dose was the equivalent of five human doses for a groundhog. Quickly, Nick started squirming in Brother Harry's hands. The handler was about to become the handled. Nick jumped out of Harry's arms and went right for his leg. If you are the owner of a male dog, you know exactly what happened next. Harry's leg became Nick's new best friend with benefits. The crowd erupted in laughter. There was so much commotion that the brethren never announced the forecast. Nick went from Harry's leg to brother Bill Bayman, who was standing next to brother Harry. By the end of the event, Nick had had his way with over 13 legs that day. Throughout the whole ordeal, the crowd kept chanting Nick on and were truly impressed at his stamina. 
He finally calmed down and crawled back into his den. The brethren all took a sigh of relief and turned to the crowd and announced six more weeks of window. <laughs> the inner circle later made it very clear that Brother Philby was no longer allowed to give out the medicine. Till next time, work hard, stay plumb, and out in the lights when you leave the room. To learn more about the Pennsylvania Dutch language, culture, and history, please visit my website, padutch101.com, or my YouTube channel, just search Doug Maidenford. In Masonic News Today, as lodges across the country begin to open for meetings, a sharp rise in the cost of dry cleaning has been detected. It had been a $16 tuxedo service, is now as much as $26 in some areas, prompting cries of, But I'm on a fixed budget. resound around the jurisdiction. In other news, a shortage of tailors has also been noticed, as nearly every tuxedo in the craft needs to be let out a few inches. That's the Masonic news, so mode it was. Very truthful news there, Brother Walter. Very truthful news. Yeah, I'm afraid to try mine on. Oh. I'm not even sure. I'm pretty sure my tuxedo is behind a door on the floor. <laughs> Where I left it 18 months ago. <laughs> With mice living in it and yeah. Yeah, the long-haired white cats nesting on it. It's fun. Ooh. <clears throat> All right. So we have a bunch of stuff coming up. I know Jack and I this weekend are actually um starting tonight, which I kind of forgot about went, went kind of late. Um our friend uh, Victor, who is in the Grand Line for the Grottos of North America, is in town. He is in. Uh, is he? Yeah, he's over at Mount Joy uh, at Mix, but he might already be gone. But I'll I'll, I'll see if he's still there. I kind of lost track of time. Um, but he's here, and the whole Grand Line of the Grottos of North America will be here this weekend for the. Bringing out what do you, what do you call it a consecration con, 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 constitution constitution I think of I the know. brand new grotto called Beersheba Grotto, and uh, it should be fun. It should be a good party and a good good time. And, and if you're uh, if you're a, a mason anywhere near uh, uh, Honeybrook, Pennsylvania, Beersheba Grotto is it's a, it's a fun time. It's kind of it's going to be uh, loose like like Ubar. Uh, started by a bunch of guys who are u barbarians so it's a place to just kick back put your feet up have a beverage uh do a little masonic ish stuff and have a good time um we're going to meet at the waynebrook inn which is right on the corner of route 10 and 322 so it's really easy to find and uh any master masons in the area um we would uh we'd, we'd welcome you if you happen to show so, up. yeah it's a but good you, trend so we have yeah. then we'll have three grottos in three counties in a row. So Pennsylvania is always kind of like not so big in Grotto, but maybe uh, we're coming back. Uh, and getting your time machine because the uh, constitution of the Grotto was last night. If you're listening to this, 
on the day the show was released. <laughs> oh, I just I say don't show up. General. Yeah, just we'll just watch for announcements. <laughs> I don't even know when we meet. I think it's like the second Sunday or whatever. I love it anyway, when you do more that. to come. Timmy, Timmy, what's going on? <laughs> so uh, this weekend, I am going to be conducting a training, a virtual training with the treasurers from the 15th Masonic District. Uh, where brother uh, Bob De Palma is the district deputy. Uh, we did a secretary's training a few weeks ago, and there were a few glitches with the folks doing the treasurer's part. So I'm going to lead that. Um, and then uh, first of the month, we're going to Eureka West Shore Lodge number 302 has our stated meeting on the first. We will uh, confer two fellow craft masons on the third. And then... The first official, I guess, back face-to-face Cigar Lodge uh, meeting uh, is tentatively scheduled for Sunday, March 14th. Uh, That's going to be up in Drums, Pennsylvania, assuming they can get the room. Uh, That's going to be, it's right off of uh, 81 and what is it, 78 that goes across there? What's the, or is it 80? I've never even heard of Drums, Pennsylvania. Oh, it's. It's worth the drive. Believe me, it's worth the drive. It's a great place. Um, But check out Cigar Lodge One on Facebook. You can find out when that gets confirmed, but that's a tentative date that they were uh, trying to lock in. And that's about it for right now. Jack, did you have anything else? or uh... Nah, just being grumpy. Josh? Uh, I think uh, the day after this comes out, we'll have uh, Lamberton's Zoom meeting. But uh, yeah. Other than that, any uh, any word on D one yet? Not yet. Good to know. And Larry, tell us what what you're up to, and if not, just let's do the news, or oh, let's well, do not the I'll, news. No, I'll tell you. Other than the fact that Goose and Gridiron is back, that's that's about it. Well, Larry, let's get out of here. It's been a long. Do those chickens. Do the chickens. Well, you want to leave? Okay. Hey. Yeah, chickens. Yeah. Well, thanks too. Effort 665 for making our broadcast studio possible and available. And we really do hope to be back there in due time, shortly. We're chomping at the bit to come back to Effort. I miss the place. And we have a new restaurant owned by a brother that I have to chat. I must have to try. I will have to try. But anyway, thanks, Effort, a lot for bearing all these things and doing the great job you've done. Thanks to our uh, Josh Lamberton, our producer and director, who always makes the show really great. Thanks to Jack Harley, our news director, and Tim Dedman, our marketing director. To our Masonic Light contributors, Masonic Light podcast contributors, Michelle Snyder and Doug Maddenford. A couple things I want to pass along before I leave. Oh, no. Yeah. Hey, there was a new Masonic clothing designer in town. Oh, you jazz you h-u-g-h jazz j-a-s-s you jazz nice and we do have now officially or unofficially a sonic light podcast apathy study group <laughs> it's headed up by don pat done that let's see Keep Our trying. compassion coordinator, Ophelia Payne. <laughs> <laughs> she feels my pain right now. 
Oh, oh God! I'm telling you, Tyler, come up with these things is just terrible every time. I can feel your pain. I can feel your pain. All right, well, this is Larry Maris. Thanks for listening. This is Tim. Good night, everybody. Bye-bye. See ya!